What you looking at? Yeah, I feel so good to be black right now. (laughs) Welcome to episode 77 of the Black in Fashion podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. As I did like a little inventory of the podcast, I realized that we have no episodes on production and apparel production. We have fabric and product development and design, sales, customer service episodes, but we don't have any production episodes. So we're going to focus in on apparel production today. I have Yadira with me. Yadira is the production manager and and project manager at LC Apparel Consultants. So we're going to talk just a little bit about I guess myths, the differences, myths, like some production myths, some things that you should know, just a couple tips about going into production, budget, things that you should think about. So, uh, of course, I can't start any episode without acknowledging our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Kara Kinks. Kara Kinks is a hair rejuvenation oil that helps promote healthy hair growth, decrease split ends, and breakage. The aroma is divine and your scalp will shine. Make sure you guys shop karakinks.com. All of her information is in the show notes. We also have an amazing new sponsor, Jaleesa Johnson of J&J Legal. Um, they help fashion designers and entrepreneurs build their brands, protect their creativity, and secure their legacy. Um, they offer legal services and trademarks, copyrights, business information, and contract drafting and revising. You can book a free 15-minute discovery call with them today to get your fashion empire on the right track sooner rather than too late. Visit them at www.jnj legalservices.com all of this information will also be located in the show notes so let's pop right in Yadira we're going to talk about production so when it comes to production and production management and manufacturing and apparel what is one of the most misconceptions you think that you get or feel like that people don't know I feel like it's definitely the fact that people think they could get production right as soon as they finish they design or like they think production just magically happen right when they making their designs. Like, oh, I want to get a t-shirt. And when they get the t-shirt, oh, I was expecting this many t-shirts. <laughs> and it's like, well, you don't, you don't even have a design yet. How can you get production? So it's like, let's first, like, do first make your design and then you could talk about production. production yeah. I do think that that is one of the biggest misconceptions is like everyone's always looking for a manufacturer I need a manufacturer I need a manufacturer and it's just like what are you manufacturing if you don't actually have a product like you have to create a product you have to create a prototype you have to go through a series of like testing that prototype to see if it works so um, I think it's very crucial that people know the difference between like product development and production production is the same thing as manufacturing you can use either one of those terms but you have to develop something first before you can even like get there um there are several manufacturers that offer sample making um i think that there is a lot of companies that do it so differently and i think maybe that's the misconception Mm -hmm. because you do have a lot of factories that offer sample making and stuff like that and then they may not offer edits and revisions so i think it's just about how you decide to go about it in my opinion a sample is never right the first time around Mm-mm. Like I don't think so. Like, have you ever had an experience like as you as long as you've been doing this where it's actually a sample comes out perfect the first time you make it? No, never. It's very unheard heard of. Even for bigger companies, I never seen like when they first make a sample is exactly how they want. There's always like 
update changed or something didn't happen right and they have to take that part out and re redo the trims there's always something that's why usually people do maybe like three to, three to four samples before they have the final 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 sample yeah so jack i hope you guys heard that so i'm just gonna reiterate that Four to five before you have the right one. Like, and it's very, because it's because it's so many different types of samples. You got that initial one that you might want to copy the body, which is considered a, like a reference sample. Then you have your fit sample. Then you have your showroom slash sales sample. Mm -hmm. You have a PP sample, TOP sample. Sometimes people do size run samples just yeah. to see how the fit is going to be. So sample making can be extremely expensive too, but it is an investment that to make like, you know, 100-something units, or even if you made 20 units of something that doesn't even fit right. So um, I think that when you're moving into this business, the education is the is the key <laughs> to making sure that you understand and that you're learning along the way. And also, and I think that Yadira can speak to this, exercising patience. Yes. Yeah. So talk about, I guess, like some of your experience, and even within LC and the clients, you don't have to name any names. Like, what do you feel like is, I guess, um, Something that they designers can do better. Like, what's a tip or advice you can do, like, when going through, like, that sample-making process? I feel a tip will be um, really knowing what you want in the beginning. I feel like that definitely helped because... what is that even a good tip? Yeah, like, I like well, I think it's people, just, as a creative, your your mind changes often. I want to say time. Time, yeah, but like give yourself time for that, yeah. that like those to change your mind because I get yeah, it, people change exactly. your mind. You're going to pay more money when you change your mind, but I think if you honed in on your branding and your yeah. target consumer and all that stuff, you probably wouldn't change your mind because you'd have a clear-cut vision on what you want exactly. to do. Exactly, like if you really know who your customers are, and you really have like a clear understanding of your brand identity, brand identity, <laughs> brand identity, <laughs> and really know what you're looking for, mm -hmm. and giving yourself time. Like all of this is like research. You really need time before you can really go in because a lot of people, they just they give themselves only like two three months mm -hmm. and expect to have everything in those two or three months, mm -hmm. and then there's all these um stuff come up and they like oh I didn't know this oh I didn't know this oh I didn't I didn't know that that's why it's like you never know mm -hmm. that's why you have to give yourself time to prepare and to really like see like really go through everything to understand yeah and I think the production is expensive yeah so you have to make sure you're properly planning financial and then production is definitely expensive in the U.S. It's a yes. lot different when you go overseas. Like, it's, of course, it's going to be cheaper because of, you know, labor laws and stuff like that. But if you're going to produce in the U.S., like, I find that what I think is, um, from our clients, I'm speaking from that, I think that they are so amped up about product development that they don't consider that there's a whole nother step after it. Yeah. And then they get the production price and they're like, holy shit. Like, exactly. I wasn't expecting that. But it's just like, did you think about that when you were selecting your fabrics. Exactly. That's why the price is there. Like, did you think about the pricing of how much your fabrications cost, mm -hmm. your trim costs? Like, did you think about, like, labels, packaging? Like, it's did so you think much. about that you don't know necessarily how to do your own production run, that you might have to pay somebody else to do it, and or you have to figure out how to learn how to do it? So there's a lot of things that I think are misconstrued, and this could be because of what's out there and the research that you have, because I think mm -hmm. you go on a different website, they're going to tell you about five or six different ways to do things, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I always say to like take the information out like of everything and sources and stuff like that, but be realistic. It ain't yeah. cheap. 
Yeah, people <laughs> like, get confused with fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're a startup brand, you're not considered fast fashion because you don't have the money to back fast fashion. You can't sell your stuff for ten dollars. Yeah, compared to like brands like H and M. Right. Yeah. And but you guys think they're making millions and millions exactly. of units over not even just the U S. but over several countries. You can't compete with. Uh, Fashion Nova. You can't compete with H and M. You can't compete with Forever Twenty One. Like they're in a whole different pricing strategy from you. So exactly. production costs, in all honesty, I feel like they have to be determined during product development. Like mm-hmm. you have to make good decisions when it comes to what you're investing in. If you got a fabric that costs twelve dollars a yard, and then that particular you need what four or five yards to go into each piece. Imagine making that piece thirty times. Like you're gonna spend a lot of money on fabrics if you have. A, a zipper that was seven dollars, and then that zipper goes into forty garments. Like it's just exactly. like it's so much money. So you have to think about all those costs and understand like the production logistics and stuff like that in the product development process. Mm-hmm. Because if you understand what you're doing in the product development process, production will be smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion. Um, what are your thoughts about tech packs and having tech packs? I guess made in the beginning. Do you feel like? they're actually used like if someone gives you a tech pack like do you do you think use it have you ever seen a factory use it no (laughs) no i definitely not not. um i think that's a myth as well like people think that they need tech packs to get started and it's just like Mm -mm. it's not confirmed no (laughs) the the construction is not confirmed the fabric is not confirmed the the sizing is gonna be yeah you don't know all those things so how do you have a complete tech pack with all this information in there and is is not confirmed. (laughs) Like, you don't have any of the information. Like, tech packs should be created after product development because at that point, this is my final, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what we're going to move forward with. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. How do you feel and what are your thoughts about just, like, that once you move into production, I want you to tell, I, I want you to talk about if a client goes into production, how the process goes and the amount of time. I really want you to focus in on quality control. And just kind of talk about what that process looks like and the amount of time that you spend in a factory sometimes doing quality control and errors and stuff like that. Like, what does that look like? So quality control is basically going over the garment and making sure that it's constructed right, that this is the the right fabric is being used, the care label is in properly. It it should look exactly like your sample. So it's basically that, but times maybe 100, times 200, times 300. So checking each garment, packing it, wrapping it up, and packing it away. And this could take like two to three, um, really depending on what the item is, like maybe a week just to do. Because you're really sitting there, you have to go over the cut ticket, and you have to go over what the sample that was made, plus like sometimes... People do change their design from sample to production, so you have to make sure that updated change is in there. And then when it's not, you have to go back to the factory, and they have to either remake it or fix it, which could take another few days, which delay quality control. So quality control could really, honestly, like take depending on the amount of you. If you're doing like ten styles, mm-hmm. like maybe a week and a, two weeks. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just for looking at it. And I know yeah. that a lot of times I find that designers are always in a rush yes. <laughs> to get things out and to push products out and stuff like that. And then it, you know, it ends up jacked up. I've seen people run to the factory to pick up stuff that was quality control wasn't done. They ship it to their customer. And now what do you have? You either going to get a charge back or you're going to get a return because you didn't even do the proper quality control um, mm-hmm. of the items. So there's, I just want to tell people to slow down. Yeah. I get it. You took pre-orders. And during the pre-orders, you feel like, oh, I got to hurry up and push these out. But if you are realistic within there, just put on the site like, hey, order ship and give estimated time dates for when orders are shipping. and Or take pre-orders for a certain amount of time. Have a you know pre-order cutoff date. Yeah. And then use the pre-orders, then go ahead and make those. But then also let the pre-orders leave the stock. So it's just like if you took a lot of pre-orders in medium, make a whole bunch of more mediums. You know, if you only took like a one or two in small, don't make that many small. So you don't. Just take pre-orders just to just to fulfill those orders. Yeah. You take pre-orders to understand what people are clinging to, mm-hmm. what people like, and then you use those pre-orders to advise yourself, okay, on stock. If a lot of people buy white, I'm going to invest in white. Like, why would I go and make a whole bunch of black ones? Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah. really use, like, those logistics to understand. Um, and I think another one, you can speak to this too, when you're doing a collection, don't have so many fabrics. Because if you have a lot of fabrics, you're yeah. also going to spend more money in grading. I think exactly. one of our clients, she had one dress, but she had it in all these different fabrics, and none of the fabrics was the same width. So she spent like way more money in yeah. markers. Like Each time a fabric is different, it, has, it needs a different marker. And then mm-hmm. there's a difference between grading and marking. Like They're not the same thing. They're two different things. Grading is making the sizes, whereas marker is strategically mapping out the nap of how things are going to be placed on the fabric to save fabric, you know? Mm-hmm. So. And then it also gives the factory a headache <laughs> as well because then they charge for cutting even more mm-hmm. because it's like they have to do so much cutting. Mm-hmm. And you will get, and they'll throw a lot of different fees in there. Like exactly. If, they, if the pattern is wrong and they have to correct it, that means they not only have to correct that one size, they now have to correct multiple sizes Mm -hmm. so you're going to get charged so that's what i'm saying take your time on the on the product development realm so that when you get to production should be smooth sailing in my opinion yeah like it really shouldn't be all of these different avenues of this is wrong and this going wrong because had we had taken our time and did product development correctly you wouldn't have the issues with production exactly so tell me how you feel about this i recently saw somebody post that they feel like that they that you need to talk about production cost during product development so that you can decide even if you can afford it. Because what's the point of going through the product development process and then you get to production, you can't afford it. How do you think it's, well, whatever way do you think that that's possible where you can actually give someone production price and not knowing what what sizes are you? Like, I don't know. Like, when I saw it, I was just like, but how do you discuss production when you don't know what it is? And it came from a factory. And I was just like, how? Well, it wasn't a factory. It's a company that does similar to what we do. But I was just like, and I was just trying to wrap my mind around it. Like, it would be a good idea to understand the production cost, but how do you really know? How can you give somebody an accurate answer on production when you don't know at the beginning? That's Like, I literally don't know how to do that. Like, I literally was trying to wrap my mind around it, and I'm just like, if you was to give an estimate, what would you, like, it's like, what, what could you even say? Like, I mean... That's right. That's difficult. I'm like, how do you difficult. discuss production when you don't even have a product yet? So I get the concept behind it, like wanting to know up what all the costs are up front. But if you don't even know what fabric you've chosen yet. Yeah. Or what, like what kind of print you're going to do. Like we yeah. don't know if it's going to be small or if it's going to be right. big or if 
you're gonna do a metal zipper or a plastic zipper. Yeah, if you're gonna offer small to large versus offering extra small to extra large, so it's like, it, to me, it's easier said than done. Yeah, you know, and I thought it was interesting because of they are similar to us, but they're the way they do it is completely different. And that same company also said that they needed to have a tech pack too, and I was just like. I think that's why people get confused because it's all these different companies doing it in so many different ways. Hey, y'all. I'm like, it's so many companies doing it in so many different ways. They're just like, well, this person said in the tech pack. This person said I don't. This person said I need to discuss production prices from the beginning. And this person saying that I don't. So it's just like... I feel like wouldn't it also make you lose your creativity because it's like having to hear like, oh, well, if you can't do this zipper because then it's going to cost this much if you do production or you can't do this design this graphic because then it's going to cost this much in production. Right. Because then it's like, then yeah. like, what, what, what like, can I do? <laughs> like, what should I like do to like, like to keep my stuff in a certain price range? That's why I feel like doing pre-orders or like really marketing yourself really can help you. Because mm-hmm. it's like, if that's a design you want to do and that's what you see, then you should go for it and try to figure out ways to make it more affordable for your client, like try marketing to even see if people want to sell it. I mean, people want to buy it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, would it be possible to give a create a hypothetical situation to kind of give an idea of the cost? I mean, you can. Like, you can kind of give yourself. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. This is what I do. I have mentorship packages that you know I offer or whatever as you're going through the product development process and even in the production process. So I do make the people who do the mentorships do mock-ups of like cut tickets and pre-orders and stuff like that just to get an idea of cost. Like, hey, if you do this amount, this is how much it's going to be. But they can't even get to that space until they're in product development. Like I just did it with um, one of our clients, but she's already chosen fabrics. Mm -hmm. She's already, you know, kind of got an idea of what she wants to do. So it's like it was easier for me to give her estimated production pricing because she's already chose her fabrications and her trims and she I know what her size run is going to be like we've already pretty much decided but the reason why she decided that is because we have been doing it for three months we went over merchandise management understanding her brand identity understanding who her consumer is and how they shop so if you do the work in the beginning which is I tell everybody to start their brand with a SWOT analysis (laughs) strengths weaknesses opportunities threats if you pre-plan branding is first Understanding your target consumer is first. Understanding price points is first. So if you do that stuff first, it will be easier to know what the production cost is. Because if you have your retail pricing strategy, and I gave a math formula the other day, if the price of the garment is $225, 18% of that is cutting. So I think I said 3% of that is packaging, 10% is grading. So if you have your retail pricing strategy already set in place, then you will get an idea of cost. But if you're waiting to after the garment is done, and then trying to figure out how much I charge for it, yeah, production pricing is going to be inconsistent. It, it's going to hit you for like a damn. I wasn't expecting that because you didn't do the work beforehand. Yeah, and I also feel like when you're starting out, I feel like a lot of people that come to us ask for very unrealistic um, units. And it's like you don't even know your target yet. Mm-hmm. Like, And I feel like that's why they can't really afford because it's like, you, you want to make 200 units and you don't even know if this is going to sell. Mm-hmm. Like you could, that's why it's so good that to work with us because we do small units. We can do like 10 or 20 just to start off because then like that's not too expensive right. and two, 10 and 20 is more easier to sell than 200. Yeah. And 10 and 20 units, you do have to charge a higher price point yeah. because that's exclusive. 
Like it's exclusive products. So you can't charge $100 for something you're only making 10 or 20 of. That is a very limited quantity. At that point, the customer is paying for exclusivity. They're paying for the fact that it's made in the USA. Like they're paying for the fact that it's black owned too. Like <laughs> I like to throw that in there. Like they're paying for all of those things. So you can't just think about it in that aspect. If I only make 10 units, the price is going to be a lot higher than if I make 200 units because the price you're going to pay is cheaper. So you have to think about it in that sense too. And that's with anything. For instance, for myself, we sell um, mugs. I think our mugs are 25. And people always ask me why the mugs 25. Because I make a limited quantity of mugs. And I make the mugs in the USA. So, no, I can't sell a mug for $5. (laughs) Like, even though your typical coffee mug might only be $5. Like, Mm -hmm. my mugs are $25 because it's not many of them. They're made in the USA. That's why. Like... I'm, I'm, that's, I'm paying almost 15 to $16 just to make one mug. How are you getting it for five? And I'm paying more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. So that doesn't just go for apparel. That goes for, you know, any products that are being made in an exclusive amount of time. Also, production overseas is going to run you about six months. It is. <laughs> Whereas production over here is going to run you about a month, if that. You know, so it's just like yeah. you. the time frame is quicker. you got an exclusive product. Like... You know, like all of those things play a big factor. Mm-hmm. Black cheeks. I hate him. Because <laughs> people, it's funny. But yeah, you guys, if you guys do have production questions, definitely, you know, drop them. But like, it's simple, right? Thank you, Mo. It's simple economics. Like, yeah. I can't charge you $5 for a mug when I didn't pay $5 for a mug, you know? And honestly, your immediate, I guess, followers are a lot of times, they're our friends. They're our friends. They're our family. They're people we went to high school with. They are not always your target consumer. The people that are around you may not shop you. I sell really good on my bags, and I could probably name three people that I knew, that I actually knew personally that bought my bags. I didn't know those people. So it's like you would think that the people around you may be your biggest support system. They're going to share it. They're going to like it. But they ain't going to purchase. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to purchase. And that's okay. But you just have to make sure that you're targeting the right consumers and stop limiting yourself to the people, like, around you. Surprisingly, like, I've sent bags to, like, places I've never been, like, ever. Like, somebody bought a bag and they lived in Wyoming. Like, I don't know anybody in Wyoming, like, at all, you know? So, it's, like, it's, it's just, like, you don't think that your immediate circle is your target consumer and try not to seek advice from your immediate I would say people because they're going to tell you like well I wouldn't pay more than this it was like boom you ain't my target consumer what's the question does production have an MLQ what if a person wants to be pre-order on their website and what order pieces as customers order that's not uh pre-order that's made to order yeah that's completely different so made to order is the same thing as custom apparel so if you're made to order that's custom that's not pre-orders that's a made-to-order business so that business is completely separate the custom mation business the made-to-order business and the actual apparel business those are three different types of ways of creating clothes because made-to-order means you've seen something on my site and i'm making it special for you whereas custom is you're picking the color you're it's going to be completely sized to fit you like those two are something different too and i think that people get those consumed like made-to-order is that's what i want make it in my size Custom is you choosing all the elements and like, Mm -hmm. I want that. Like they're completely different, you know, and you can't run those businesses the same, like at all. Like they're complete. And then you doing something made to order and custom, the price point needs to be way higher because you're making one product for that person, you know? So I hope that answers your question. (laughs) I'm like, I think that's answer. And, um, of course I must acknowledge our sponsor. Since we're talking about 
um, like understanding who you should target and stuff like that. One of our podcast sponsors, Toby Solutions. <laughs> um, um, are you a person who loves Instagram and wishes to make a profit from social media? Whether you are already an influencer or thinking about becoming one, you need to check out Toby Solutions. They take influencer marketing to the next level with their social media insight service. Numbers aren't the most interesting thing, but Toby Solutions makes understanding social media metrics really easy. They send you a monthly report monthly report to your email that simply tells you what's going on in your social media account without the confusing jargon. Not only is it like a game changer for your brand, but it's also super affordable. It's $25 a month. Influencers from 1K followers to 1 million followers can take advantage of this valuable tool. And of course, we have a discount for you. Use code Black in Fashion for 50% off your first month of your social media insights. And that's what this is about. Your social media insights, if you see the people on your, and it, this depends too. Some people, I think, still have personal Instagram accounts. And then there's some people who have business accounts. And then they have an Instagram has another category called a creator's account. If you have a personal account, these things won't show up. You have to switch your account to either a creator's account or you have to switch it to a business account. And that's how you'll really understand the metrics. Because if you just have a personal IG you can't see it. So you don't know what people are looking to, clinging to, or where the people are coming from. So when you switch over your Instagram account, you will see who you're catering to. And then that will help you make decisions of who the consumer is. I didn't think that I had a consumer market in the South, but I do. And I had to look at my insights and it's like, wow, way more engagement is happening basically in the little chitlin circuit. So like Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, like it was a lot of things happening in that area. And I was just like, okay, maybe if I do like IG promotions on one of the items, I'll put in that I only wanted to target women from, I think I put 24 to 40. Mm -hmm. I put that they were interested in fashion and accessories and I put those cities in. Boom. And then I I sold a whole bunch of bags just from looking at my metrics. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, you don't always think that, you sometimes think that you might have one market Mm -hmm. and you have a completely different market than what you thought. You never know. That's why you have to look and you have to analyze and you have to be analytical at things and then you'll really, really understand it. So definitely check out Toby Solutions. They do it for $25 a month. They can help you understand your insights, you know? What is, oh, it's called Toby Solutions. And it will be, this episode will come out next week. <laughs> he said Total Solutions. <laughs> Toby Solutions um, is going to, I'm going to have the discount code and everything in the show notes. Um, This episode will actually premiere next week. Um, and it'll be on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Y'all just getting like a, a little glimpse in behind the scenes right now on the live. But everything will be in the show notes for next week. So let's talk about. Some do's and don'ts for um, production. Um, one of my, like I always do this little segment called It's a Success or It's a Disaster. Yeah. But then you, it's something that you learned from the experience that turned you into either a better business person or made you make better decisions. So I'll tell you my story. In first t- time doing production management, I swatched the cut ticket with the wrong fabric for a client. And of course, all the pants were made. In the wrong fabric. Wasn't my client's fault, because it was me. Um, wasn't the factory's fault, because I swatched it. So I actually ended up doing this twice. One time I did it on the wrong side. So that means all the pants was cut on the on the wrong, like on the opposite side. And yeah. then the second time I did it, it was just the completely wrong fabric. I used the jacket fabric. I think it was 620. I used the jacket fabric for the pants. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's because I was moving too fast. fast. 
and I didn't go back and check. I was trying to make things, do things off my memory, opposed mm. to just looking in my notes. That's true. And writing everything down. I swatched the things wrong, and I made a whole bunch. And who paid for it? Me. And my mother would call that a fault lesson. So when you come out your pocket, like $1,000 for something as little as you yeah. could have just taken the step back and looked at everything again, mm-hmm. you really realize, like, did I really need to rush? What the hell was I rushing for? That's true. Did I, or I was just literally wasn't paying attention and made all this stuff that, no, she didn't want them because it wasn't the right fabric. And the other one, like, they were fucked up. So I was just like, this is messed up. And I never did it again. What happened now, to the product? It just sat there? Yeah. Uh, 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 Lord. <laughs> huh? Yes. Yeah, I was like, yes. Yeah, but yeah, I was just like outdone. So I end up um, giving the pants to um, her. Just like as complimentary. Okay. Like hopefully that she could sell them. And then the other pair of pants, they weren't finished yet. They were almost finished, though. So, like, the zippers were in, the waistbands were in, but the belt loops wasn't on, the pants wasn't hemmed. So, I had to pay the factory, like, half of it because they didn't finish it. So, okay. I still had to pay the factory, though. You to, oh, that's yeah. true. So that she, is a lot of them. Yeah, that's because she had already done most of the work. The only thing that wasn't done was the belt loops yeah. and the hems. So, it was just, like, the pants was already cut and sewn and put together. So, I had I to pay the so factory. Quick. It was Joanne's factory. Yeah. She was, I was like, I'm sorry. I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying. I was like, I don't know what I was thinking. Do you have any experiences yeah, I like do. that? I do. It's, it goes back to what you were saying, mm-hmm. like just paying attention. So mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention to the sample size. And I wrote that the sample size was, let's say, a small when it actually was an extra large. <laughs> and so they um, graded it up so everything was too big. And luckily, I know pad like I know how to um I know pattern making. I had to literally sit in the factory on top of the table resizing each oh. each um marker marker okay. and changing the size, taking it in, and yeah, you, you know who this comes. I, don't uh-huh. think you know I didn't even tell you. <laughs> I, just, I just was like, I have to go to the city. I'll be back soon. Who is it? <laughs> And I was sitting there and I was trying to hurry up and resize each um, thing. thing. And I was just like, (sighs) and I I even caught a grain and I was like, do you also make it longer? They was like, yeah. And I was like, (sighs) (laughs) and I was like, it should be fine now. And they cut it and everything worked out. But it was just, but it happens, you know, I mean, that's, and that's honestly how you learn how to like deal with stuff. But I've seen, okay, I have a, someone came on the garment tour. And she decided to do her production home. And you should. You absolutely should. But and the production went fine. But it just goes to show how factories won't, I guess, won't help you or tell you necessarily when something is wrong. You got yeah. some factories that got good morals and will tell you. So she made a whole bunch of panties with chains on the sides. Oh. You couldn't get them over your thighs. And she made 50 of them oh. because chains don't stretch. And it was like no hook or nothing like that. Like she had made these really cute yeah. black panties, but it had chains on the sides. And then... The production was done, and they were so cute. And then she was just like, I think she didn't realize until she had to put one on. See, this is why. So, <laughs> and it's just like production ho- management, right? Because it's just like because we would have been able to catch that in product development. Like, how do you get in and out of this? Because yeah. like, how do you put on a panty with chains when chains don't stretch? How do you get it over your thighs and over your hips? And then I was just like, damn. So then afterwards, she ended up having to spend more money because she had to add a hook. Yeah. So that on both, well, just on one side, but it's like now they have to take it apart. Mm-hmm. Get the hooks put on yeah. and then hook it back. But it's just like 
she spent more time and money having to adjust that because she didn't think about that from the get go. You gotta also think about functionalities, and I'm pretty sure the factory is new. You know, but that they shit, won't say they'd be like, "That's what they want." That's what they want. That's what they, they want. Getting. And I'm always positive the factory knew that that shit wasn't yeah. functional, and they didn't tell her. And they like she didn't ask me or check with me because she did everything on her own. She had got mm-hmm. her did her own patterns, did everything herself. So it's not like she even had like a second look. She was just going for it. And I do think you'll go for it, but it made her a stronger designer. Exactly. It made her think about when she's going into production every possible thing. That that could go wrong and she and what she got to do and to make sure your designs are functional yeah what's the closure how do you put it on mm-hmm. um it and, really make you think about your design yeah. even more like oh mm-hmm. okay now i could do this and this will help make my design even more unique yeah recently we had a, a, a factory that put a zipper on the side seat for a jumpsuit and the jumpsuit was a high neck so it's yeah. just like well they can't put it over their head because it's a jumpsuit no they can't step into it because the neck hole is about this big how the hell is they supposed to put on this jumpsuit with a side zip. Yeah. And it's something as little as like, I don't like front zippers. I don't like back zippers. I like the convenience of it. Yeah, it's convenient, but, but it's not functional in a yeah. jumpsuit. It may be functional like in a strapless dress or mm. a skirt, but a side zipper is not functional in a jumpsuit. Let's all have it. You going to get into a side? Like, yeah, like it's, unless it's, <laughs> no, like it's off the shoulder, but this yeah, is Yeah, like it was a full up. long sleeve yeah. and it's just like, you just supposed to step into it from the side. It no. literally made no sense. And the factory didn't say anything. It was like, can you, I was like, can you take, move the zipper to the front so she can at least zip it down mm-hmm. and step into it? That's one thing I know, I know about factories. Mm-hmm. They will do what they are, t- the most that you are, they are told. So if mm-hmm. you don't tell them something, they won't, they just gonna go ahead and do the stuff that they know. Mm-hmm. And like, if you put your fabric the wrong way, they're gonna cut it the exactly wrong way. that wrong way. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely think about, and that as we're talking about money, I want you guys to make sure, do you need help with your finances? <laughs> you know, if so, you should seek out Chase Jackson Accounting and Advisory. Chase Jackson is here to help with all your small business needs from business information, accounting services, and taxes. I'll also have this um, information in the show notes. He is the accountant for LC Apparel Consultants, and he's getting us on the right track when it comes to financing. And also what he made me do was filter in mistakes and errors. So like when, because things can go away in any moment. So I was just like, no, it's exactly going to be this amount. He's just like, you just never know. So yeah. it's better to have a budget set for mistakes. So I have a production era budget because it's so many yeah. people working and things happening and stuff. Now you just never know. So now That's I so have true. it worked in now so that if something goes wrong, we're not losing money. You know, we have a budget allotted for like eras and stuff like that, that we're pulling out of our revenue to make sure that, you know, we're covering our asses too, mm-hmm. um, for sure. Um, I wanted to say, since you were talking about the fabric thing, Another thing, you can get fabric delivered directly to the factory. You don't have to um, like necessarily go buy your fabric and go drop it off because lugging around a whole bunch of rolls, we did that. Yeah, and it was <laughs> not. We had to rent a, a U-Haul. Two or three days, I think. Two or three days. We got all our fabric for our production sent to us. Uh, and then we had, yeah, we rented a U-Haul. It took like three or four days to get all this damn fabric over to the factory and then to get it up the stairs, into the car, these heavy-ass rolls. Yep. It's all girls. It was so tiring. And Just get something it. happened, and I remember we had to bring some back and then bring it to another factory. Yep. And then that factory could have did something, and they, it, was, it was awful. It was awful. <laughs> it was a lot. So just, but another thing, 
even though you can get your stuff sent direct, and I and the crazy thing is like, why didn't we just tell them to drop it to the factory or to yeah. deliver? It's like it's like something like something that small that should, it took two days and extra money just in transport. And you don't think about how much it is to rent a U-Haul, gas, tolls. We had to leave the truck in the front, got parking tickets. Like you know, the like our day is taking up. The then you're whole taking day. up your whole day, so it's a waste of time and a waste of money by something just as simple as like deliver the fabric directly to the factory. Yeah. However, catch twenty two. We've had a customer deliver fabric directly to the factory, and we didn't go in and check the roll. And it was a whole bunch of stains on the oh, fabric. Yeah. And the factory made the stuff already anyway. Already started cutting it. Had already started cutting it. Because they already had the marker, the grader. Everything. So, they, so they just went ahead. Right. And they saw the stains. And they, and made, they just kept, they kept on cutting, and they made the items anyway. And it would be even worse that this was a wax-coated white denim. Oh, yeah, that's... Does not clean, cannot dry clean. It had pin marks all over it and dirt. So it's like now you got all of these dresses, like four or five dresses, yeah. with all these stains on it that are white. They cannot be dry cleaned. And now, what you gonna do? <laughs> so it's just like even though you're getting your items delivered directly to the factory, it is your responsibility to go in there and check it. It's not the yeah. factory's responsibility to check your fabric to make sure it was right. You may or may not get factories that have morals and tell you like, hey, this is damaged. Maybe you want to reach out to them, but then you got some that'll just keep on moving forward. So mm -hmm. you have to be the one to check these things. You know, you have to check the fabric even if you get it delivered there. So know when your deliveries are coming in. Schedule some time for the factory. I checked I, when I was in production management, like really in it by myself. When I knew a, a fabric was coming, I would schedule some time to go to the factory, check in all the rolls, label my rolls because I'm not the only yeah. designer in this factory. And then if I got a black fabric and it looks like somebody else's fabric, shit, they might cut mine out of you know the wrong thing. So I would always check my rolls, check my yardage, label my stuff, put it away, take my swatches. Like I literally yeah. would just spend a day just organizing, prepping for production. So I don't even give them the cut ticket until I know everything, everything is, is there. Because mm -hmm. sometimes we might change the numbers or. Like we might change something, mm -hmm. or and like the fabric don't work yeah. out. Yeah, I think we just and we just I didn't even look at her question. We answered it. Uh, yeah, they won't get it mixed up because you got to go in yeah. there and make yeah, sure it's good. The heck out of my. You got to label I'd everything. Like, this is my client. Uh -huh. This is this style color, and just use it for this style. Don't use it for this one. How would you do that if your factory is a diff in a different state? Hire a production manager. Yeah. <laughs> Hire That's a production only... intern. Hire a production assistant. Somebody, but. You have to take up the responsibility on that. Maybe you, you gotta to come go in. The, you gotta come into the city. I mean, you don't stay in that state. Pop up in that state when your stuff is being done. You don't have to live there, but you have to go there to make sure all your I's are dotted, all your T's are crossed. Yeah. So definitely go and schedule time to travel and to get the things done, or hire somebody local in that state that can be a representation of you to get yeah. it done. But don't go in like I have, I've heard too many horror stories. That's yeah. a, the same thing yeah, is going you, overseas. You don't want to be surprised when it's finally delivered to you and you're like, wait, this is not the right fabric. Mm -hmm. Like. And then it's too late because a lot of factories once it's um once it leaves a factory, that that's it. That's it. And yeah. A lot of times they don't take it back to redo it unless it's really they fought. But if you could catch it in the middle or in before or before it's finished, mm -hmm. then it's like you could save it. Yeah. And also, um, just to point out, factories don't have they factories cut and sew. And I'm talking about USA based factories. They cut and sew. They don't be having buttonhole machines. They don't be having snap machines. <laughs> they don't have ribbon machines. So if you got denim, let's say you did a whole denim line, you got to go pick it up. <laughs> go get the snaps put on yeah. and then take it back. Yep. <laughs> have it folded and then put it in there. Like um, they don't, uh, most fa factories don't have like packaging stuff. Like you got to provide yeah. them with the plastic. 
the hangers, the hang mm-hmm. tags. Like they literally just cut and sew. Yep. That's it. They don't do grading. Like, no. <laughs> like you still got to go somewhere else for that. Like, um, a lot of overseas manufacturers has all these things. They have the technology. So they're sourcing the fabric. They're doing everything for you and whatnot. Um, and that's what they can do. They have the technology. But I have not ran, even in LA here, I have not ran into any USA uh, based factories that can offer full service yeah. because they don't have the machinery. They don't have the technology to do everything in one space. That would be. One hell of a factory if they yeah. did, <laughs> but and it would be expensive. Expensive as I can only imagine the light bill in there, exactly. like the electric bill. If you had all that machinery, like it just mm-hmm. doesn't work, you know. So, um, I hope that that was good information. You know, um, if you have any other questions and stuff like that, you could book a production consultation with us. Um, we have a production and logistics class. Um, can't wait to work with you all. Well, thank you. We have production logistics class. We have the production and logistics mentorship. Um, I'm currently working on an online curriculum so the guy, the guys can like like learn and do like the whole e-learning thing. Even though I believe in customized education, that's just my thing. I think that everyone should learn the way they want to learn. Um, so that's just my personal thing. But I'm trying my best to make it as customized and give you the information you need. I know too many people that went to FIT and Parsons and they don't know shit. <laughs> so uh, fashion school is not always the answer Sometimes you just need the right education Because they don't always teach you everything that you need to know Especially to be um, successful Grace Info is always Oh, thank, that's Grace Hey, Grace Yeah, I learned a lot I'm glad you guys learned a lot uh, I definitely saved this live for you um, And as we close out um, I just want to make sure I mention I think I talked about everyone Our last sponsor All of our sponsors are black-owned Because we support all black-owned business um, businesses This was actually another podcast it's called the Trendy Big Mouth Podcast. She's a wardrobe stylist and millennial mom of two. She started the podcast as a safe haven for moms and millennials that are into fashion. Um, and just beware, they talk a lot of shit on this podcast, and the Sundays are for tea. So definitely <laughs> check out all of our sponsors, all of our black-owned businesses. We currently have a, a black fashion directory. Definitely send us an email at blackandfashionpodcast at gmail.com as we build up our fashion directory. If you would like to you know, become a sponsor for us to talk about your business here, definitely reach out to us. We're on Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Anchor, YouTube, SoundCloud, you name it. So anything else to add? Yadira is a designer as well. I am. She has her own company. It's called Yadira Design. So definitely check out her items. I have a two-piece set coming soon. Yes. Come on. <laughs> uh, soon. Make sure you guys come and check out our pop-ups. We'll be doing a couple more in April and in the summer for Juneteenth. So, you know, that's the best day to do it. And we're doing one for April for Black Fashion Month. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, and as I always say, stay black. Peace out.